Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Tesla. This is Concordia University's Tesla Resource Center's official podcast. I'm your host, Suvan, and I'm really excited because today is the first episode of a new series called The Eight. And what do we mean by this? Well, Every episode, I am going to have a new teacher who teaches in a different type of institution. It could be an elementary school, a high school, private language institution, university, or a sous-chef. And we're going to discuss the eight things that they wish they knew before starting to teach. So I'm going to get teachers who finish their first year, and it's really this activity of reflection. All right. So uh, for our very first episode, I'm really excited because I have joining me my very good friend, the amazing Alex. Hi, Alex. Hello. <laughs> nice to see you. So Alex uh, is a CJEP teacher uh, like myself, and both of us actually uh, just finished our first year of teaching Sujip. Uh, Alex has graduated from the Applied Linguistics program, and he is a full-on Sujip teacher. And he is here with me to talk about the eight things that we, so this is going to be a conversation, the eight things that we wish we knew uh, before starting to teach. And let me keep it real here for a second. When I was doing the Applied Linguistics program, I attended seminars and panels and, and all kinds of things like that about Sujip teaching, you know, what it would be like um, to better prepare me, how to get jobs, all that kind of thing. And honestly, they, they kind of missed the mark for me. They didn't really have the helpful information. What, what do you think about this, Alex? Yeah, I think, I mean, we went to the same one, so... I think it was, I don't know, a lot of sugarcoating certain things. Yeah, yeah, I I agree 100%. So that's really the goal with our conversation here is to keep it real and to give you the information that you will need to be your best self when you're teaching in that first year because it's difficult. I struggled tremendously. How was it for you, Alex, overall? <laughs> I'd say getting used to the system, how CJEP works and all mm -hmm. the administrative things. I think that was harder mm -hmm. than the actual teaching. Right. So we're going to get right into that so you can be prepared um, and hopefully yes. not go through some of the things that we went through. Okay, right on. All right. So we're here again to list uh, the eight things that we wish we knew. So I chose four and Alex chose four. And uh, we're going to start off right now with number one. And this is one of Alex's. So what is the uh, number one thing you wish you knew uh, before starting to teach CJP? How to get hired. Yeah. Right. Yes. And how hard it is. And uh, you hear different things. Everyone, even people, I guess, who had graduated from the program. Mm -hmm. They had told us it's very hard to get a job. I've been waiting four years or three years or whatever to find a job. Mm -hmm. That I think we might have gotten lucky, yes, Sivan, because of the pandemic situation and a lot of teachers left. So true. And it was, yeah, and we even during the program were able to get a job, which I don't know if that always happens. Mm -hmm. But I think it was a unique situation. But I will say, do not, you know, stress if you don't find a job right away. I think there are always jobs, at least now, in English departments and CJFs. They're always looking for people at the beginning of the semester, always. I don't know. Have you found that as well? Yeah. Okay. So that's, I, I could not agree more. So there's a lot of pressure. You know, you hear like, oh, it's so hard to get a job in CJF. 
And I agree. I think we got very lucky because of the pandemic and a lot of teachers, um, they, they didn't like the online and they were retiring earlier than anticipated and that kind of thing. But I think you are really right in saying that. So first of all, the time to apply for jobs. <laughs> this is, oh, this yeah. is a thing that I think needs to be super clear. The best time to apply for CJP jobs actually is right when the fall semester starts. Would you agree with this? So this is like last week of August, first week of September, pretty much. I think you do it before, but what ends up happening is the majority of the jobs come at that time. Mm -hmm. So you need to be on the Facebook pages, on Seja Emploi, mm -hmm. looking for those jobs because they always pop up. Mm -hmm. Whether it's full-time or part-time, you're replacing someone that's that's something where it gets tricky the thing about maybe it is hard to find a full-time job in CJP that's permanent mm -hmm. and to to get that permanent job you may need to be somewhere for several years and that's actually a strategy to go into multiple CJPs at once mm -hmm. at the beginning of your career so that you can gain seniority in two or three different places so you can actually work at several CJPs CJPs at once, which I didn't really know. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? Not really. No, I didn't know that. We're touching on a few things here. So I think like yeah. what's what is important to know is that you want to, yes, so you want to apply to multiple CJPs or be on the lookout uh, to teach at multiple CJPs because it's likely that you may not get a full course load, which is five classes at one CJP right? So apply to multiple at the same time. You could teach two courses at one CIGEP, two courses at another. This is totally possible. And then the other thing is scour Facebook groups and the CIGEP emploi, the, the website, right? For the job postings. And likely they are going to show up like, <laughs> you know, end of there August. Are some, there are some right now, Sivan. Yeah. January. They're up there. So. Yeah, they're there, you know, because that's the time when the actual numbers come out for how many kids are going to be enrolled in the classes. And that's when they realize that they'll need people. So what so we kind of I don't know about you, Alex, but I had this lovely vision of myself being like, oh, I'll apply in June or something like that and prepare my classes and know in advance and it will be wonderful. That doesn't happen. It's it's weird because I think coming from university and you think, oh, you know, you have your teacher two semesters before, right? Yeah. Your professor. You have your, but that's not how it is in CJP. It's completely different. Mm -hmm. As a teacher, it differs a little bit CJP to CJP, but for the most part, you're not getting more than a month to prepare for your courses. To prepare my five classes, I'm not joking. I think I had maybe a week. <laughs> okay yeah so if you get hired in september or january then you may have a few days not only that i mean okay it could be like yeah you have five days or so but i know seaship teachers who literally and this is i hate to say that this is not uncommon who will get a job on a friday and they'll be like okay you, we need you to teach a course starting monday like this yeah. happens. So um, it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. So that's kind of the way the Sujip cookie crumbles uh, at the beginning. So um, you have to be prepared. <laughs> you uh, have to kind of expect this at the beginning. 
you're not going to have like three months to prepare your full course load. It's not going to happen. No. And, and even, even when you have a permanent position, it's never like that. Mm-hmm. So if you think that these CJOPs are so organized and <laughs> what have you, mm-hmm. they're not. They tell you for a January class, they'll tell you in December what you're teaching. And that could change at any time because the CJOP system is so based on seniority mm-hmm. That if someone comes or comes back and takes your class or whatnot, so be patient. But if someone takes your class, like I said before, some something will pop up in another CJEP or at your CJEP. So someone might take your class and then another teacher will drop out and you'll get that. It's happened to me. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I've experienced it firsthand. So there's no reason to be nervous with that. But yeah, like Sivan was saying, you won't have that much time to prepare, uh, especially as a newbie when you're just trying to pick up classes. I just remembered one thing, yeah, Sivan, that I think we should mention. What's that now? About if you're if you're teaching at a French CJEP, they're mm-hmm. going to make you t- t- take a French test. Yeah, we didn't really talk about um, like once, like like actually beyond applying like once you do the interview yeah but but y- you gotta know french if you're teaching in a french cégep I, I mean i think it's it's kind of kind of goes without saying like you, you gotta know french and they're gonna make you do a french test yeah and for the interview usually they ask you to do a five to ten minute simulation of your teaching so be ready for that a lot of times it's been teaching the present perfect yes mine was that too yeah so i know for a fact at least four cjps have used that yes prepare like a five minute lesson of the present perfect you'll probably be okay (laughs) look up some uh, interesting ones yeah yeah exactly so what are the kind of jobs basically that that you might get starting off what's probably going to happen is you'll probably have part-time a part-time position where you may be teaching three out of five classes i think once you teach two out of five then you're eligible for insurance and things like that Mm -hmm. So that's pretty good as long as you're teaching too. Uh, it might depend on the CJP. And the way that you're paid, it's it's not an hourly thing. You have a salary and your salary is based on your education as well as your teaching experience. And the thing about CJPs is your seniority. It's not like if you were teaching high school in a school board and once a position at another school comes available, you hop over there. That's not how it works in CJP. So that's why I was saying before, if you can go into multiple CJEPs at once just to gain some seniority in multiple ones. So once a full-time position comes available, if that's what you want, then maybe you should do that. But yeah, so there's part-time. You might get a full-time load, if especially if someone can't teach that semester. Mm-hmm. And if that person can't teach that semester, it doesn't mean you get their job, mm-hmm. unfortunately. <laughs> so <laughs> so you you'll get their course load but the second they come back then you might be left with nothing so yes. you have to be very strategic when picking a cjep too so true that's the thing you don't know until you get there right yes what the situation is with seniority that is so true so just to make that super clear every cjep you it's not like there's a school board and you're working your way up in seniority in that school board every cjep has their own ladder so if i work at one cjep and I teach like five classes at that one CJEP, I'm moving up 
just at that institution, not at another one. I could be starting from zero, even if I have 10 years of experience, I could be starting from zero in another CIGEP. So you want to really think of which CIGEP do I want to end up at and which CIGEP will there potentially be opportunities for me to become permanent at later. And all that means becoming permanent is that you have moved up on the ladder and you've passed a certain point, basically. If you're permanent, then they're required to give you classes. So as long as you're part-time, they don't have to give you anything if enrollment goes down or something like that. Yes, that's really true. (laughs) Um, Okay, (laughs) that kind of, oh, wow. Okay, that's fired a little bit. But that started off um, just basically being a how to get the jobs uh, and when to apply. So just to, again, emphasize, make it super clear, beginning of the semester. That's when they are looking for people is the beginning of the semester and fall is more likely than winter, right? Would you agree with this? One more thing I think we should add is Mm -hmm. we're we're talking about the regular stream. Oh, yes. Right. So this is uh, people coming usually out of high school Mm -hmm. into CJEP. Uh, there are also continuing education courses, so they're and they're also paid very they're paid differently. Less. So yeah. they're hourly. Mm-hmm. They're hourly, so you're not. So when you're doing a regular, they call it regular course load, then you get um, paid for marking and preparing and things like that. Whereas if you're doing uh, continuing ed. You're just going to get paid out. It's a good hourly rate. Mm-hmm. So you can get, I think it's starting and I think it's going up because mm-hmm. there's all the, these union talks. Yeah. I think it starts at something like 70. If you have undergrad 82 something, if you have your master's and if you have two masters or a PhD, then it's over a hundred, mm-hmm. about a hundred per hour. Mm-hmm. It depends on the CJP actually, but usually there's no insurance and benefits. Yeah attached to that whereas the regular there is so the second thing that i personally wish i knew before starting to teach cjep was uh just how the cjep system like how how the courses actually work um because i didn't i should have looked into this like it's just so stupid to not have looked into this but we're going to talk about it now so you don't have to um <laughs> but it's hard it's hard to know when you haven't gone through it yourself and no one tells so you really no, yeah. no one explains it well so hopefully we can. hopefully we can so we're going to try to keep it as simple as possible so basically um english uh in uh, we're talking about the french ships here because Chances are you're going to be working at a French CGEP. The French CGEPs, English is mandatory. Everyone has to take English classes and there are two blocks. So there are two mandatory English classes that all students have to take. Now, these blocks, there are A block classes and then there are B block classes. All right. The A block classes, some CGEPs have four, some CGEPs have three of them. It's basically 100 to 103. So 100, 101, 102, 103, right? Those are the levels, yeah. These are the levels, okay? Uh, 103 means you're like perfectly bilingual, pretty much. And then 100, it means, you know, maybe maybe there's a lot of immigrants who didn't like learn English before in those classes uh, or students who maybe didn't do so well in high school, you know? Like that's, that's basically the situation. 100 and 101, you're basically teaching grammar. And chances are, if you're starting off, you're going to be teaching these classes because there's just a lot of them, especially 101. Would you agree with that? I, I don't know the stats on it, but probably the majority is 101, 102. 
No? Yeah. No, I, I, I think so. I totally agree with that. I think 100 too, if they offer that that level at the Sijap, there's a lot of 100 as well. Yeah, I yeah. think it depends where you are as well. Like if you're outside yeah. of Montreal, there's probably more 100, 101. If you're in Montreal, then you're going to have, you know, some more higher level, just the way it is. That's the way the, the cookie crumbles. So um, so basically, uh, like I said, 100, 101, you're teaching grammar, basically. 102, 103, it's more literature. Um, I know you taught 103 classes, eh? Like what did, what did you teach? Yeah. Yeah, I taught yeah. Uh, both. One, so coming back to the blocks, I guess the mm -hmm. A block is more general English. Yeah. And then the B block for all the levels, 100, the beginner to advanced, 103. Mm -hmm. Your A block is your general English. Your B block is your program specific English, but everyone's still in the same class. So yeah, you're supposed to give a class for the different programs to develop their English for that program mm -hmm. but it's very hard to do so but that's sort of the goal of the b block i've taught 100 i've taught 103 i've also taught first language classes so in the english mm -hmm. stage stream but focusing on the french yeah the french 103 they're basically like you said bilingual Mm -hmm. They just need to work on their writing as native speakers do as well. So they're working on their writing. They're not using a textbook per se, a grammar textbook. They might not be. You, you probably will work on a novel. Most yeah. teachers do. And some CJ, some CJs will be very particular about what you do. Some will give you more freedom. So that's yeah. something to look out for. And the that's B really block. True. Yeah, the B block is more project based. So they're going because because it's hard to teach to all the different programs. You have to give them projects that they can do some research on their own and things like that for their yeah. program. So I think this is really good to know that chances are, um, if you're starting off, chances are you're going to be teaching an A block 100 or 101 level. This was my situation at least, and I think to best prepare because, like we said uh, regarding the other point, chances are you're going to know like four days before that you have to teach five classes <laughs> of 100 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to prepare is to familiarize yourselves with the textbooks that are available to you and the publishing companies. So like Pearson, for example, is one. My friend Nick Walker, who is an incredible English Sijep teacher at Ahunsik, he has a series called Actively Engaged uh, that are amazing. So you can check those out as well. Familiarize yourselves with the textbooks ask the publishing house representatives to send you like teacher versions in the summer. You could do this and they'll send it to you and you can prepare. Yeah, I mean, especially for the 100 and 101 and a bit of 102, but the 100 and 101, like you said, is very, even though they taught us or they teach teachers not to teach grammar, it's still very grammar focused, grammar heavy. So the thing is, you're going to have students who have been pounded with this grammar their entire yeah. lives and they've never gotten it. So yeah. for you to do it in one semester, I mean, hopefully you're successful, but like you said, it's challenging to do that. Oh, but yeah, so yeah. <laughs> go, with the, go with the textbooks. A lot of CJEPs are using avenues 
mm-hmm. uh, with Pearson. So avenues one for 100, avenues two for 101, and sometimes avenues three for 102. And then 103, usually you're doing your own thing. But uh, yeah, sorry, I think I cut you off. You want to say something about it being challenging to teach? No, grammar? that's okay. Um, we're going to get into that because now we're, we're kind of getting more into the structure and the admin stuff, but we're going to talk about the actual teaching in uh, just a bit. Uh, but just to recap again, so point number two is about the structure. So A block classes and B block classes, students are going to have to take one of each. Yeah, know, knowing the lingo, right? The, yeah, the, the lingo. Yeah, the lingo. <laughs> that's that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that's point number two. Point number three, uh, we touched on this a little bit at the beginning, uh, but I want to go back to it and really just clarify. So let's talk about the juicy taboo stuff here, the pay and benefits and insurance and that kind of thing being a sujib teacher. So Alex, uh, you want to take it from here? Sure. Uh, I think I mentioned a, lo- a lot of it already. You're part-time, whether you're part-time or full-time, your salary is based on your experience as a teacher and your experience will transfer between CJOBs, but your seniority won't. So yes. if you've taught for 10 years and you go to a different CJOB, that will still be recognized for your pay, but your seniority won't. So you might be at the bottom. Yeah, you'll be zero. Yeah. yeah so a teacher could have taught, let's say I've taught for one year and another teacher comes to my CJOB for the first time and they've already taught 10 years. I'm going to be the one who gets seniority, gets the priority for classes because I've been there longer. It's not a school board like we were saying. Mm -hmm. And you're paid also based on your education. Yes. If you have a master's, if you have two masters, if you have a PhD, it will change uh, everything. Yeah. Yeah, this this is really, really true. If you've done two bachelors, fantastic. That's going to move you up on the pay scale ladder quite a bit. All right. So yeah, I think that's a really important point. Is there anything we want to add to that about seniority and just how it works? Or I think we I think we talked about it at the beginning. I think yeah, it's, we did, you know, the full time versus uh, part time versus even some CJOPs have a lecture position where you're mm-hmm. sort of paid more like continuing studies. Okay, now here's really the juicy information just about how much you will actually be getting paid as a CJOP teacher. Like we said, there's a pay scale and it depends on your level of education. What that means is how many years you've been in school. So it's actually not really like, do you have a bachelor's, do you have a master's, what do you have? It's really just about the amount of years that you've been in school. So you can have two bachelors um, and that will be worth quite a bit. Right, so um, it's a pay scale. It's from one to 20. The lowest end is uh, for around 42000 a year. And at the highest end, it is $91,000 a year. So that's uh, from one to 20. So depending on your years of education, uh, you will be somewhere there. And by the way, this information is all available online. Um, If you just look up, I I think it might vary a little bit depending on the union and collective agreement, but this, this information should be available to you. Okay, Uh, so that is pertaining to what you will be getting paid. So again, the lowest is around 42,000 in that uh, ballpark and the highest is 91. And this could obviously change depending on the collective agreement. But this is the, the numbers I'm presenting to you now are as of 2020. 
All right, so now what are we at? We're at number four here. Um, all right, so now we're really getting into what the actual teaching is like. So that was a lot of just, you know, getting jobs and whatever admin stuff. But let's talk about the actual teaching. For me personally, I taught um, a lot of low-level grammar classes. And the number one thing I wish I knew that would have saved me a lot of strife is um <laughs> you're, you're laughing but anyways uh is student motivation okay yeah. so maybe i don't know it depends kind of where you're coming from and what your expectations are i had this expectation i don't know i'm like a go-getter student of course and i kind of just you're had not, this you're expectation lying. She's, you're lying <laughs> you, were, you weren't like that in the applied linguistics program. oh my god i'm being outed <laughs> It's my self-image, though, you know? Um, so whatever. I I think I'm a go-getter student, you know? Okay. Like, <laughs> um, Anyways, I, I really, like, went into the suja, like, thinking that, okay, they're almost university. I saw them more as closer to university students than I did as closer to high school students. But in my experience teaching the 100 and 101 levels, motivation was the number one issue, the most difficult thing to contend with. What about you? I think you make a very good point because I also taught 100 my first semester. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, you know, what you have to realize now is everyone's being pushed to go to CJEP right? Everyone. So the students there who are in 100, maybe half of them don't even want to be in CJEP. Yeah. That's the reality. They don't even want to be there, not just for English. And English is the least of their worries. So yeah. that's that's really hard. And then some of them want to be at CJEP, but they don't want to take English because they haven't succeeded. So you have a very hard task put yeah. in front of you. At the other end of the spectrum, because I also taught 103, you have people who think that they're better than what they actually are, uh, or 102 or whatever. So you have both ends, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of teachers like teaching in the middle, the 101, 102, mm -hmm. because it's easier to teach to, but they also they also have something to learn and it's, yeah, like I, like I said, it's easier to teach to, but when you get to 103, Sometimes they think that they're too good to learn any more English. And then in mm -hmm. 100, they don't want to learn it at all. Yes. Like just to kind of illustrate this, I mean, I, I never imagined I would have so many kids in my class just not come to class, just mm -hmm. not hand in assignments, fail for truly no reason. Like they, you know, you, you practically feel like you're, you're spoon feeding it to them and they just don't hand things in. And this can be extremely demoralizing like you make an effort to do fun things with them and gamify things right make it as engaging as possible and they just might not like uh, a colleague of mine <laughs> this is so real a colleague of mine said that you know you have students at the back of your class who are like aggressively bored they're just like mad yeah. that they're there and yeah. they're bored. You can see it on their faces. Eh? Yeah, you can. And this is, you know, you, you come into this like guns blazing, especially if you just did the masters and you're like, oh my God, or, or the B.Ed., right? And you're like, I'm a, like, I just want to change people's lives. And then you come into this and you're like, oh my God, these students really don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The 100s, they, they don't. Yeah. Most like 
I'm gonna what what percentage do you think are just completely done with English at that point? Well, so here's the interesting thing. This is something I also wish I knew and it was tough to learn is that it, it's just gonna like vary so much from class to class. Like one class might just have really good chemistry for whatever reason, they all gel together. And another class, it might be like your dementor class. Like they'll just suck the energy, the life out of you. You know? Oh my just- gosh. I, I had that exact same experience event. Like one class. <laughs> yeah. Every other class was great. And one class just, I didn't even yeah. want to see them. Yeah. I didn't want to see their faces. Can you imagine? Like, so that's I, what yes, can, I can imagine. <laughs> um, but so, so yeah, like that, that might happen. And it's a supreme effort to go into class with a smile on your face um, when you're facing these kids who are like glowering <laughs> at you. <laughs> just because they they they're there you know um or who maybe just or or don't even show up you know and lateness is a huge thing to contend with you know um so in terms of how to combat this i mean do you have tips alex like <laughs> i think the it's so hard and especially the mm-hmm. 100 level it's it's mm-hmm. so hard there's yeah. not much you can do but i'm going to tell you the hardest part i think for me I don't uh-huh. know if you agree with this. Go for it. But you have in CJP, you have, I guess, all these people watching you. You have a mentor watching you. You have student evaluations. So you're trying and you have to follow these government guidelines and all this stuff. So trying to make it interesting is not always the easiest thing. Yeah. But the only way to get through to them is by doing it your way because when you do something your way and you're teaching something you're passionate about, inevitably the students are going to be more passionate about it. That's just how it is. So try to put your own flavor in there. Even when, like Sivan said, you're working from a grammar textbook and 100 and 101 and whatnot, but try to do some things that could engage the students because I think personally you're going to lose them right away Mm-hmm. If you're just pounding grammar, even though that's what you're told to do. Oh, 100%. I could not agree with that more. You have to, like, in your own way, have fun with it and, and personalize it a little bit. And I will also say this, especially about teaching 100, right? You're, so you're going to go in there and your students, like, like, might, like, waltz in late and do super disrespectful stuff like that and, like, glower at you from the back corner of the the classroom you know while you're just like trying to make it fun for them and trying to teach the present uh present tense yeah yeah exactly you know but here's the thing like that one class in particular that sucked the life out of me at the end of the semester i had students come up to me individually students who i never in my life would have imagined them doing this and who thanked me and who said that the class was like no joke, like a refuge for them. I never would have. Imagine that, you know? Maybe, so, maybe they were lying to you. I've done that with teachers, you know? Like, oh my God, oh, Alex, stop, stop bursting out. <laughs> let, let, let me have this, okay? Do you, do you mind? Like, <laughs> I think you're 100% right because you can never know. You can never Oftentimes know. Oftentimes it's those classes that are difficult mm-hmm. that will give you the best student evaluations. Yeah. It had yeah. the same exact thing happened to me, Sivan, where I, I thought... Oh, are I you had, sure, Alex? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just pulling your leg. Yeah. <laughs> so I had the exact same uh, mm-hmm. group, exact same sections. And this was a higher level class. And one class, I felt I had to give so much effort to make it 
what it, you know, make it good. And the students weren't responding. And then I had another class, which was of all sort of goody two shoes and they're like, oh, you know, participating. So I thought, oh, that was a great class. They're going to give me good student evals. They were all, you know, the nerdy type and they, you know, started complaining about this, that, and the other. And the other class gave me better reviews. So you never know what's going to happen. And you can, yeah. we're not trying to bash the CJEP uh, teaching life. It's, uh, I just had a class this morning, for instance, and I absolutely loved it. And we had a great mm-hmm. conversation about actually uh, language varieties and non-standard varieties and all oh, this cool. stuff. So yeah, it was uh, very fun. And where I teach, there are a lot of different nationalities. So I asked whose mother tongue is not English. And this was a mm-hmm. first language, actually English class. It mm-hmm. wasn't a, in the French system. I think there were three people in the class who didn't put their hand up. So they were all um, international students. And when we were talking about the different languages, different language varieties, non-standard varieties, etc., uh, they all had some really nice perspectives and it was a nice debate and everything and discussion. So it can be so rewarding at times. And like you said, when the student came up to you and said that, even if they were lying, uh, it feels good. No? <laughs> <laughs> so mean um, um but yeah I, like that that's another i mean amazing thing about sujep really is i think you're also getting them at this age where it's like you can have these cool conversations and they're realizing these things like maybe they've never had these kinds of conversations before you know so um there's certain freshness to it that mm-hmm. i think is also important when you're teaching remember mm-hmm. what it was like when you were their age you know sometimes you think that even for example my brother Mm -hmm. he's 19 and I think for some reason in my head I think he's the same age as me you know Mm -hmm. but (laughs) so I treat him that and I was like oh my gosh when I was 19 I thought this way or I didn't know this about the world or I had a different perspective so a lot of times when you're you know you're teaching this might be the first time you might not think this, but this might be the first time they've ever heard of this concept, this idea. So, true. so it's fresh for them. And a lot of them are willing to engage. And But like you said, I think maybe one, I, not I think, I think 100 is the hardest level to teach. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. Gotta be, it's gotta yeah, be. Yeah, for sure. And you'll probably and get are. that. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're you're probably going to get it. And it's really tough, but then but it's also really, really rewarding. Number five. So we're still sticking now with the students, you know, the actual uh, teaching experience here, uh, not the admin and the bureaucracy and all that jazz. Um, Okay, so number five, the fifth thing I really, really wish I knew before starting to teach is the importance of boundaries. Here's what's likely going to happen. Okay, this was my experience, at least you're going to have like four or five days to come up with a a course outline where you have all your rules and stuff like that, where you you set out your rules. It's like your contract with the students. Okay. In my experience, I, I was too rushed. I really didn't think them through as well as I should have. And basically I, I was really lax with the students at the beginning. And that kind of set a precedent for the whole semester. They would like waltz in late. And uh, it was just, it was just really, really tough. And <laughs> basically what I had wish I had done is from the beginning, be really firm with your boundaries. If you say that they cannot be late, you got to close the door and not let them in. But of course, that gets difficult oh, because tough. then they're going to say, 
Well, I, I didn't do it. So am I really that tough? I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll see, you know, but, but, but hypothetically, like as best you can, all teachers struggled with this. And that's another thing I noticed talking with my colleagues is even the ones who had been teaching for 20 years struggled with this, actually, which is not that reassuring. But as but I just but just to just to tell you, it's going to be something to deal with, like late assignments, have your think of all the scenarios that could come up and just how you're going to respond and stick with it. Anything you want to say about yeah. that, Alex? Yeah. yeah, just usually the school has a policy in place. And the policy yeah. is that you do not need to accept any late assignment. Yeah. So there's a very, and I wanted to get into this earlier. There's a, this is where it's hard. I think about our current education system mm -hmm. is that let's say you don't accept a late assignment. Students will come at you with all sorts of reasons. I'm not going to get into the reasons. Oh my God. Whether or not they're yeah. valid or whatever. And then you might get reported. So just be careful as well. So yes, you can be harsh, uh, not harsh, but it should be fair. Don't hand in something late, but that's not how our world is. You might not even find it worth it to fight it. Yeah. Like that's what true. I, that's what I found. Like it's so Sometimes. hard. Yeah. Like I agree a hundred percent with what Sivan said that you have to set your boundaries at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But sometimes because there's no support from the admin for, I don't know if you've mm -hmm. had this experience. I just sort of was more lenient because I knew other teachers who were fighting this and fighting that. I was yeah. like, okay. No, and in, in the end, honestly, in the end, I was very lenient. And I also kind of, I don't know if this was an excuse I told myself, but I'm like, oh, it's their first semester back in person. It's really tough for them to just kind of, you know, take it easy on them and, and whatnot. So I was pretty lenient. But I mean, sometimes I, I think this was good. And sometimes it, it made it really difficult for myself, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. And yeah. you, you want to mark things on time. You want to give yeah. stuff back on time. And yeah. you don't want to look at an assignment three weeks late and it's disrespectful to you i would totally not, that's the other thing yeah like why are you handing in or even sometimes students will, I, I found especially at the 100 level but also on different levels will come to you and give you an attitude even when they're handing something in late it's like do you want me <laughs> yeah, to accept you, this yeah. you know i don't have to accept this you know i know well so that's the really interesting thing about sejip too is like you're you're getting them at this age where for the first time like it's all in their hands you know and so no mommy and daddy yeah, and, and that's hard for them, I think, to kind of wrap their heads around. It was hard for me at the time, you know, like, it's tough. So they they kind of just, like, expect that it's your problem sometimes when obviously it's never, it's not your problem. Like, they're the ones facing the consequences. But it's really hard for them to to internalize that, I found. And that's part of your job is to help them internalize that. Yeah. Again, coming back to what I was saying before, I found mm -hmm. it so hard Mm -hmm. Even though, like you said, some students, they deserve to fail. Mm -hmm. I found it hard. I don't think the admin, the admin, it seems like they push you to pass people, even when they don't deserve it because they don't want to deal with the problem or, or I just find, I know, I, you know, giving marks that it's, you know, like you said, a lot of times you're spoon feeding them and it's yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough. So I mean, in terms of just a solution to this boundary setting, um, to be honest, I really think it is case by case. But I'm just saying that 
this was something I really wish I knew how much this was going to play into my yeah, teaching. Yeah, set, set them at the beginning, like Suvan said. Yeah. I think that's so yeah. important what you said. Yeah. I, I mean, I made some jokes and whatnot, but <laughs> you have to set them at the beginning. And what would you say you should set, I guess, Suvan? Like the like late, what, in addition to the late policies? Oh, you, you need like policies about lateness. You need you need. What policies. about sending Just, emails? Well, I did tell my students, I'm like, look, if like this is the times when you can expect a response these times like i have a life you know and you got to mm-hmm. respect that and you have a life too and you know communicating what, what about respectfully. format oh so format of the emails um i mean because i was teaching 100 i kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt and i was like i think a lot of them just have they've never written like a respectful formal email but it's, in it's english so possibly you know so we, we did a lesson it on it we did a lesson no yeah, it should be. I Okay, maybe I'm too lenient. But whatever, we ended up doing, like, I turned it into a lesson. Like, we literally yeah, yeah. did an email writing lesson. I'm like, guys, this is what I expect from you moving forward. Like, your email needs to have all these parts to it. And it's not just for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to serve you in your life. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's what's, a big what's... one for me. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. I remember talking about yeah. it with you. It's like, they'll, they'll send you texts. It's like they're texting to you. I know, like, like they use abbreviations. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. But okay, but here's another cool thing about teaching Sijab students: like, you can really level with them. I found at least that you can talk to them and be like, "What is this?" You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and they kind of relate to that in a way, you know. So, yeah. um, that's a cool thing. But anyways, yeah, boundaries, boundaries. It was an issue. Think about it. Yeah. Think about what you want, your expectations. Yeah. 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 Anyways. Okay. Um, so that's number five. Moving on to number six. Um, support systems. All right. Your support systems. It's very important, I find, because it's really difficult. Bear in mind, maybe you had, again, four days to prep your entire course. All right. You're going to be stressed. I was super, super stressed. Become friends with your colleagues. They are here to help you. Some of them. Some of them. <laughs> Some of uh, them have a support system. What do you What do you think about this, Alex? I don't know how it was for you, but I was assigned a mentor. I was you. not. No, I wasn't. Okay. I just kind of like. So I think. I think <laughs> most you just assign a, assign a mentor, but mm-hmm. if not, then obviously you have to make friends, like Suman said. But if you're assigned a mentor, also I'd say set boundaries with that with them, as in mm-hmm. let them know that you know. I mean, you don't come out and say certain things like this, but you know, it's still your course. You still run it the way you want to run it. Mm-hmm. But you have to. There are a lot of politics in CJEP, and you have to be very careful, especially when you're trying to move your way up the ladder and get seniority, because these people. Your mentor may be someone who has the decision of whether or not you can stay for the next semester. Because just because you're there, you're on probation, right? So you need to have stayed there. I think it's, depending on the case, two or three semesters before you get off probation, okay? So at the beginning, I would say lay low, right? Lay low and listen to what everyone, even if you don't agree to what your mentors Mm. say. Yeah, Uh, that's important. But also your mentors, in my experience, have been helpful that they'll give you material, especially like Mm -hmm. Suvan said, if if you need to create your course in four days, 
that's crazy that you didn't have a mentor to help you at all. I remember you were telling me that you didn't have any sort of no. guidance or material. I will say this, the department coordinator was like really, really lovely. And, and if it wasn't for him, I really would have been screwed. Like truly, I would have been <laughs> very, very screwed. But but he helped me out in, in a big way. But yeah, that, like, okay, so you, you make a really good point. You, you might not agree with some of your colleagues' pedagogy, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. But you may have to just do it because sometimes you're teaching a course and some CJPs have these weird policies that you need to do what the other teacher is doing if you're teaching Ooh. the same section. Some CJPs have this. So mm-hmm. you might not have a choice and just keep your mouth shut and just do it even if you don't yeah. believe yeah. in it. But use your mentors for the things that, uh, you know, like a course course calendar basing things off that instead of rewriting the the wheel at the beginning you're gonna have five classes maybe right yeah to like reinvent the wheel so true at the beginning that's another thing oh my god there's countless things i wish i knew but that's another thing is i think at the beginning you you do feel this pressure to like reinvent the wheel and do something magical and amazing but you you you're just Teresa I I reached out to Teresa actually and she she said exactly that to me she was like you're just trying to survive right now just survive you know and that's okay right did I say reinvent the wheel I feel like I said it wrong did I say you you know you said you said rewrite the wheel (laughs) yeah yeah I I realized that after I said the things I wish I I'd known before doing this part of this podcast yeah (laughs) yeah I caught that and so I was like yeah yeah yeah. I said it anyways reinvent the wheel yeah right rewrite the wheel uh all right that's number six support systems just surround yourself with with people who can who are familiar with the system who have done it before you might not agree with everything they say but it's super important to to have them around you number seven all right so now uh this is a little bit more technical here but just all about um, the different platforms that you are going to encounter and you're going to use that you are probably unfamiliar with. So Alex, what are just some of the platforms that you had to familiarize yourself with for this job? Well, myself and not having come from CJEP in Quebec, I, I, mean, I think a lot of you used Omnivox. Yeah. Did you in CJEP? I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, Omnivox. Yeah. I love Omnivox. Is, yeah. yeah. I love it. What is Omnivox, just for those who are not familiar? So Omnivox is, you know, if you're at Concordia, it's like your Moodle. It's, you know, the, the school system. And what's great about Omnivox is I find it really intuitive of how you, uh, you know, you put up assignments and you can set the deadlines and all that stuff. But at the beginning, you don't know the terms. Like Omnivox is the whole system. Then Leia is, you know, the learning management sort of part of it. Then Mio is the messaging system. And then you also use Teams. So, and then you have an email. So you have people writing to you by yeah. email. You have people writing to you on Mio. You have people writing to you on Teams, which I hate that it's all spread out. Oh my God. But that's it's, the way it is. Yeah. That is the way it is. And that is something that takes some getting used to is you're going to suddenly have quite a few new platforms that you're going to have to check. Like for me, it was uh, we used a platform called Colnet. And then there's your your school Outlook email. And then there's Teams. Like already that's three. And then, you know, there's the email for the students. There's a lot of new platforms. 
one thing I found really helpful is um, I had to design a course on Moodle. I had never used Moodle before. Again, this connects to support systems, but have someone, if there's the time to like, just walk you through it, it will, rather than trying to figure it out on your own, it'll be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Ask because I could explain, Omnibox is great. I could explain it to someone in 10 minutes, but if you're figuring it out yourself for the first time, it'll take a lot longer. And you, like Sivan said, you might be hired on the Friday and teaching on the Monday. So. Our last one, uh, number eight. Okay, this is a really important one. um, And I think it's a really good one to end on here. Just chill out. Try your best to relax. I cannot tell you how stressed I was at the beginning. Catatonically stressed. So stressed. Alex, you were much taller than me. I remember talking with you and you were like, it's all in God's hands. And I was like, I don't get this at all, but okay. You know? Um, but just chill out. And, and honestly, here's what I didn't fully grasp while I was teaching these kids, you're gonna like, it's gonna end after the 15 week semester. It's short. It it feels when you're in it, it feels intense and long, but it, it ends. And then it's like, oh my God, I don't get to see their faces every day. Oh my God, what? You know, it just ends like that. So the thing is, is like, what's really cool about Sujep is you kind of have every semester the opportunity to refine and to, to, to start over. So if something didn't go super well with one group, one semester, it's okay because you can just do something different with a totally different group the next semester. That's a cool thing. What do you think about that, Alex? It's really a blessing to have that because if you're teaching, it depends on the high school. Some high schools are semestered, but it's nice to have the that semestered system, right? That yeah. you can get out of it in four months. Mm-hmm. It's just you know refreshing. And the good thing, the same sort of on that note, you're going to be teaching the same courses, so you can use your material from previous semesters. So on that note of chilling out, it's harder in the beginning, but it gets easier because you can reuse things. Yeah, 100%. Any parting words about Sujep that you want to share as we wrap this up, Alex? We've said so much. You know. I know. We really did. I'm I'm pretty proud of us because honestly, like if, if I had listened to this conversation before I started teaching that really would have made a world of a difference for me because I was stressing the heck out the whole time. Yeah, it's a, it can be overwhelming at the beginning, yeah. especially let's say you apply two different CGFs and you get both yeah. somehow and, and you're managing, like I said, you have four different platforms even in one CGF and then you have four in another. So you're managing like eight things and it's, or, and also I forgot you're maybe managing your online textbook as well, like your Pearson. So uh, there's so many things. So many things. Yeah. So many things, but all in all, I mean, I think teaching in Sujip is pretty cool. You know, you're, you're getting these students at an age where like you really do see them mature potentially. Like you can really see a difference. You, you, it's the first time that, like I said, their their lives are in their hands, like they're making choices and they're facing the consequences. And I mean, as a teacher, I think that's one of the key things that like English aside, you have to impart is that it's in your hands now and we're here to guide you. We're here to help you. But 
you know, it's on you. And that's a big learning curve for them, I think. Yeah, they're, they're learning how to be independent. And yeah. you get to be a part of that, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I like I said, this morning I had so much fun teaching. We didn't talk about this a lot, but it's very flexible. It is very flexible. Yeah. You're not going to be big. teaching yeah. eight hours a day or six hours a day like a regular teacher. So you have more time on your hands which is nice to do things that you want to do. So that's what's great about being a, a CJEP teacher in addition to, you know, influencing your students and teaching them things, which is always really rewarding. Totally. And and also, you know, what, and on top of that, right, it's like we said, it's a salary job with benefits. You know, if you're teaching two courses, you, 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 yeah. you get that. And you have all this time off in the summer. You have a good chunk of time off during – uh, the holidays and the winter. So it's it's a really fantastic teaching job. It's just, these are just the things we wish we knew before we got into it. In the summer, right? You have almost four months. Yeah. If you don't do summer, you can do summer classes if you want, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But if not, that's a big chunk of time. And and honestly, <laughs> it is. And, and you know, uh, and I'll say this, I mean, it's hard at the beginning, but talking to my colleagues, the ones who've been there for like 20 plus years, man, are they happy. They're like some of the happiest people I've met. Like, do you find this? Uh, it depends, I think. <laughs> depends, depends on the person. Depends on the person, I think. You've run into some good people. A lot of them are, for sure. A Super lot of, happy. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a rewarding profession, I think. And there's more, you have a lot of freedom and you can still do a lot of things with your students that you can't do in high school. Very and true. And you don't have to deal with parents Oh my God, that's a huge yeah. one. You don't have to deal yeah. with parents, anyways. But that's not one of those things I wish I knew. It's just, it's just a good thing, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. This is just a final comment. We're we're yeah. already done those uh, <laughs> things we wish we'd done. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine, Alex. On that note, um, I really hope that you listeners that you found this helpful. Like I said, I know I. I, I wish, truly, like I wish someone had candidly told me these things because like I said, a lot of the times these experiences get sugarcoated or they just don't hit on like the right information. So I hope this was helpful to you. And uh, yeah, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Uh, thanks, Savannah, for having me. And uh, I hope you guys got my sarcasm uh, at times. <laughs> of course <Okay>. we did. <laughs> All right. Okay, good luck, everyone. Bye. Bye. Good luck, guys. The Talking Tesla podcast is a feature of the Tesla Resource Center at Concordia University. We offer support to B.Ed students and recent grads just beginning their teaching careers. We have a mentorship program, a Moodle page full of resources for teachers, and of course, more episodes of Talking Tesla. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or our website at www.concordia.ca forward slash tessel.